This is At Home with the Oregonian. I'm Lizzie Acker. Each week we check in on some of Oregon's favorite people from a safe and responsible distance. Follow The Oregonian on Facebook or YouTube to watch these conversations live. Hello and welcome again once more to At Home with the Oregonian. I'm reading my intro off the phone as usual, um, where we talk with some of Oregon's best people and find out how they're holding up during the pandemic. Today, our guest is Evren Ojkin, and Evren is an amazing guy, but he is the Associate Artistic Director at Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and I've actually known him for quite some time. I'm very excited to have this conversation with you today because, um, hello, well, because right before lockdown, we were supposed to meet in real life. Yeah, no, I was in Portland directing. Yeah, I was in Portland, and I remember you were like my. I think someone from your my neighbor. Yeah, your neighbor got COVID, and I was like, "I'm so sorry. I have to get on a plane and go to a town that is not Portland." I'm going to keep meeting you, which was yeah. I had forgotten about that. That whole two weeks is so blurry for me because I was in another city, opening and closing a show while we were going through the process of closing five shows at my home theater. It was just like the craziest month ever. Yeah, it was a very strange time. It's it's so strange because my baby was like a little baby then and now she's like a child and it's hard <laughs> it's hard to like really wrap your head around that because it also seems like it was about two minutes ago. We went to Disneyland at the beginning of February, which I now thinks like like that's the craziest thing anyone's ever done. <laughs> when are we gonna do that next? <laughs> Not for a while probably. Yeah, like you good know. thing we got that out of our system if exactly. we did. Um well I'll say just, you know, because I'm a journalist and full disclosure, Evan and I used to work together at KQED in San Francisco so long ago when we were cool living in San Francisco. I guess we're older now. Uh, um, older, wiser? Maybe still cool. <laughs> maybe not as cool. But so how long ago did you move to Ashland? Uh, I've been in Ashland for a year and a half, a little over a year and a half. Um, Nataki Garrett, who's the new artistic director, who's been here mm-hmm. Uh, I think year and a half plus couple of months right. um, sort of had um, pinged me for the position. And I was supposed to start end of July last year. Mm-hmm. And I came in beginning of June just to watch shows and meet people. And there was such a huge need for my presence. Mataki <laughs> <laughs> was like, can you start now? And I was like, sure, I'll just throw my whole life up in the air and move here. I mean, it's been, it's such a, I can't complain too much at this moment, especially where having a job in the theater where I still get to push forward anything artistic is such yeah. a sort of, I feel like luxury that um, I'm very, very happy to be here. And it's just, you know, yeah. OSF is one of those theaters that we all sort of dream one day to get to. And the fact that I get to be here as yeah. my artistic home is, it's still, I've been here for, you know, almost two seasons and it's still like a pinch me kind of thing. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, it's, it it is kind of interesting because you, I guess you had one sort of normally season. Mm. Did you have a full normal season? I did not. I came in (laughs) June, which meant that um, I sort of took over the on the ground producing of the end of the Mm. 2019 season, which was not my season or Nataki season. We were sort of taking over it 
from the previous administration, so to speak. <laughs> Amazing, beautiful season that had many plays uh-huh. that I would love to have in seasons. I mm-hmm. choose, help choose a piece, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I had to sort of close that season, which was a few months, which was crazy mm-hmm. to yeah. go from an outsider to being the lead producer of an 11 show repertory season is a <laughs> learning that I still, I feel pretty proud <laughs> that I survived that. Um, yeah. And then we went through the selection process, casting mm-hmm. all of that stuff for 2020, opened our first five shows mm-hmm. and then closed six days later and then had to cancel the rest of the shows um, sort of a few wow. months after. Uh, yeah. We've been really, um, yeah, it's been disappointing in a way, mm-hmm. um, right. especially because of the impact it has on all the artists. I mean, you know, right. so many of our artists are residents who like have lived here and worked here for so long. We had so right. many folks who were, this was their like big coming out OSF moment, you yeah. know, so, and it's just, and some of those people I was, you know, instrumental in getting them here. They're like, right. like my heart artists that were, you know, getting their right. OSF moment. Oh, um, yeah. So that just, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. This last weekend was our closing weekend, theoretically. Uh, of the 2020 wow. season and it's I like couldn't even usually you know you do a Facebook post and I couldn't even do that it was just like <laughs> sad between that and the election I was like I'm just oh, gonna yeah. ignore this moment maybe just eat cookies or something <laughs> it's been a lot of baked goods uh, I'm more of a scone guy but yeah mm. yeah I got like um I I usually do a lot of baking well I've been doing a lot of baking during the pandemic but on election day morning I went to the bakery in town in the morning and just like got like half a half a dozen pastries but that ended up being eight and mm-hmm. I think we just there was just two of us and the baby who were like yeah. oh here you have a bite of this croissant well I eat the whole thing and it was it was okay I'm you know whatever diet I was not on before this <laughs> the pandemic because the pandemic between the pandemic and the southern Oregon fires that were very oh, close to us the level of stress I've really not been paying that much attention to my diet and this week it's I think it's fine it's fine fine. it's fine and you know well how is it moving from San Francisco to Ashland like that must have been it is a pretty dramatic change yeah no it's it's it is um how do I put this I mean San Francisco was home you know, it wasn't, right. I've been there, I was there for 15 years. It was the place mm-hmm. that I oh, lived wow. the longest, actually, in my yeah. whole life. So it wasn't just that it's a big city to a small city, you know, small town move, but it's mm-hmm. really, I left home, what it feels yeah. like for the first time. And my husband yeah. was, uh, you know, born in Hong Kong, but moved to the Bay Area when he was five and went to Berkeley. So it was very yeah. much home, home for him as well. His family is there, right? Yeah, his family is still there. And we actually held on to our place in San Francisco for the time being, just because Mm -hmm. he still works in San Francisco, although he's been up here with me. I know. I feel like he's there with you a lot. Yeah. I I mean, that's like the one weird silver lining of the pandemic is because my career was so much travel. We, Mm -hmm. as a couple, never lived together for this long ever in our life. And we're still doing well, which is good. That's good. That's a great thing to discover about your partner, right? To be Uh, like, oh, actually, I because I feel like some people are discovering the opposite. (laughs) I mean, 
mean, it's also when you're distressed uh, for all the jobs that we have, everyone's job is impacted. um, Totally. And life. And then, you know, seeing each other 24 seven and you know, uh-huh. we don't have children. We have a dog. So like, I don't yeah. even know, like, I'm not even going to get into the stress of ch- child quarantine. <laughs> you know, it, it makes a lot of sense, but yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. Ashland is beautiful. I mean, it's, yeah. um, it's a beautiful community. It's like obsessed mm-hmm. with theater, right? I call, I, mm-hmm. I, I just said this, it's, I say yeah. it's, uh, theater, it's theater Disneyland. You oh, know? that's, like all our restaurants are named after Shakespeare characters oh, yeah. and, you know, every single person you meet at the coffee shop has an opinion about whatever play is going on at the theater. So it's just, it could go from San Francisco where theater is huge. You know, there's a mm-hmm. really big theater community, but it's not centered in the cultural communication, like cultural conversation of the city right. to here where it's like very much front and center. Um, yeah. That's been positive. I do miss, uh-huh. you know, late night ability to eat ethnic food. <laughs> you know, like that, that, that would be nice to have. Good luck, yeah. You know, um, yeah. and it is a, you know, Southern Oregon is a fairly, Ashen itself is this little blue dot in a sea mm-hmm. of red. And so right. um, whenever you go outside of Ashland, um, it's a very different experience that I'm not used to from living in San Francisco or really right. being fairly coastal, like my whole yeah. American life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a change where certainly mm-hmm. as an interracial queer couple have to sort of like <laughs> figure out what that means for us. Right. Um, yeah. But it's also just like my life is OSF here and yeah. that's fantastic because the OSF that's community amazing. itself and the people I work with are so, such beautiful humans and like mm-hmm. the best at their jobs. And, you know, that's kind of nice to be part of, you know. You know, I'm so glad I think I have probably haven't seen you in like, well, I don't know. I mean, I moved back to Oregon six years ago and only six years. Know. It feels like, only six, yeah, but it's crazy. Feels like maybe you left KQED before I did. I don't know. Were you there in 2012? No, you left before because I hired okay. a replacement. Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. Um, but I just, I want to take a second to say it makes me so happy to see that you are doing something that makes you so happy and that I'm doing something that I makes know. me happy. I'm like, what if six years ago we could have told our 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 little baby selves, just hold on. It'll be okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, not that KQED was bad, but. No, KQED was fantastic. And I actually yeah. say my time at KQED is so instrumental in whatever success I've been able to have at OSF mm-hmm. because it's just a very different thing to work at an organization of size, you know, like of scope. And KQED Mm -hmm. is a local organization that has national, international reach. OSF is a local organization like like every theater, but actually has major statewide, national, international reach, especially in this new digital space. Mm -hmm. Um, So it requires a sort of different kind of engagement with Mm -hmm. work. And whatever right. I'm able to do here, I mostly learned working at KQED. And the thing I will say, we did really well in the sense that, yes, we were working at KQED and our specifically assigned jobs were relevant, but like day jobby, right? right. <laughs> we were both certainly carving out a lot of space. And I do admire our manager's ability to make space yeah. for that, to actually explore the thing we were really was our passion and calling for me. That's theater and the arts for you. It was actually creative journalism, you know? So yeah. 
Um, and I feel like yeah. we got to do a lot of that while we were there. We did. We together, you know, while Something we marketed like, news shows, you know. Right. But some of the stuff that pops up sometimes, like in Facebook or whatever, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we we had a really good time. You know, we did. We, did. we we had a fun time. And I know Emmanuel, another person that we used to work with, sometimes we used to be like, is this really like our job? Like, <laughs> you know, and it seemed like we were working with. There was a group of, not very many people our age, I think that was part of why they gave us so much leeway, because they were like, you millennials, maybe we, <laughs> we need you to figure out what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just I just remember, I, I don't know why this, I thought of this the other day, but like there was a, there was a chocolate factory like two blocks away from mm-hmm. the office. And like, just like before a meeting, I just remember going with you to get like some chocolate dessert. And then we went to the fancy coffee shop and just like, like spent a lot of time walking, maybe because now we don't have that at all in any work where you're you like, remember, like walking around with house. friends. Yeah, getting treats and walking around with friends. It just seemed so nice to think about. Like, Well, I do have to say, though, like, I feel like you and Emmanuel were the cool kids for sure. (laughs) In terms of millennials, I'm like borderline millennial. Because I worked, I was born and raised in another country. I was born and raised Mm -hmm. in Turkey. Like, I don't function as a millennial because, like, (laughs) I'm from a country where I came in first and nobody said, good job. Like, you know, like the educational (laughs) system in Turkey. I don't quite have the same, like, cultural norms. Having said that, uh, I always appreciated being adjacent to the cool kids. Oh, you were one of the cool kids. You know, that was nice. (laughs) You probably had more responsibility than us. But... I mean, it was, like, manager level. And, you know, as you said, I feel like and this is something, now we're just like raving about KQED, I guess, today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it, uh, I mean, I learned also a lot from the folks who managed me and us, like mm-hmm. the ways in which you can actually uplift people and their passion and their growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's certainly something I take really seriously in this new position where I do have like a now smaller but still actually pretty extensive team of folks who are brilliant and yeah. young girl yeah. and us because we're <laughs> I know now we're old and, <laughs> I know. and like have a million amazing ideas that I could never mm-hmm. ever actually think of because right. I'm not that young and cool anymore so it's right. in that way um yeah there is there's just something about that culture that feels really important. Mm-hmm. And I actually was part of the OSF culture before I got here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, like all my producing team are artists in their own right. And it's really important right. to me that all of them have a chance to exercise their artistic muscles and they approach producing from an artistic space. And that mm-hmm. if they have an off the wall, artistic, creative thought about our administrative mm-hmm. work. Yeah, let's consider it. You know what I mean? So like, and I think that's right. all part of that upbringing that we had together. Yeah, it's true. There was uh, elite, I mean, uh, several people there that really did that. But I just remember when Michael Lupatin came in, Mm -hmm. like, changed my life. Oh, that Michael. Just like, I know Michael. I should call, I should text him. I know. He's in LA or something. Just living the life. Um, But yeah, just like, he was just so, such a good manager. Like, so just, yeah, like, found what you were good at and really wanted you to be better at it and was never trying to like keep you in line or something like that. I mean, it's also like, um, 
I mean, this generational conversation about how work gets done is so interesting to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there is a very old school way, especially a lot of nonprofit theaters have functioned where it's like, mm-hmm. it's very hierarchical and then it's very sort of like one way of doing things and you're just kind of repeating the same action over and over again. Right. Here. And that's just like not work, not how people work now. And yeah. not to say we have to throw all structure and hierarchy out the window because I've been in places where that's happened and (laughs) I can assure you that doesn't work either. Um, But it is important for us to continue to think about the ways in which we structure ourselves and communication. Mm -hmm. And, you know, OSF, I don't want to overstate OSF's success in this because it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a huge organization that grew at a rate that's actually not necessarily healthy, if that makes sense at the time, really impressive. But now we're like, as the new folks, part of our job is to figure out what the right size for the organization is, especially right now. And also what the, how we can set up a structure that fully supports the incredible work that's been going on on stages against all odds, to be honest, like not enough support. People Uh have been really like throwing themselves at the work. Um, yeah. in a way where, you know, some of the best theater that's being done in the country is being done here. Mm-hmm. And now we need to like get our structure together so that that doesn't right. come at the expense of the bodies and minds and souls of the people who are on the line doing the work. Um, that's amazing that you're thinking about that. Cause I feel like there's so much, so much in artistic or creative work that is like about sacrificing everything mm-hmm. you know and getting paid nothing mm-hmm. that's like this sort of it's like what you're expected to do and mm-hmm. um it's not sustainable it's not and you know i've been in the freelance game for so long i've worked at much mm-hmm. smaller organizations medium-sized organizations large organizations and it's the same everywhere you mm-hmm. know it's it's and that is a systemic issue Right. Right. That's a white supremacist systemic issue. Right. Yeah. um, You've got to be thankful. Right. Um, And I am so thankful. (laughs) Thankful. I am so thankful to have this position, to have Mm -hmm. access to leaders like Nataki Garrett and David Schmitz, to Mm -hmm. have any say or input or um, leadership within like what the future holds. So thankful. But also, like, I think. You know, I don't know how much this is known outside of the field, but there has been this amazing document put together called We See You White American Theater uh, by really, I think, 30 uh, BIPOC, uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color folk, Mm -hmm. mostly female identified, mostly Mm -hmm. Black, actually, Mm -hmm. um, who've put together this like 25-page document that really goes through and tells you all the ways in which our systems in the American theater have failed artists of color specifically. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can extrapolate from that from for decades of systemic, like institutionalized oppression right. and underserving communities, underserving mm-hmm. artists, and sort of what I call charity-based equity, diversity, inclusion work, where it's like right. we have the stuff and we give it to those poor people. Right. And they mm-hmm. should be thankful that they're invited to missionary the work, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's been the really the core of the EDI work that's happened mm-hmm. in the American theater. So there is a lot happening in the air and there are these yeah. documents and conversations that aren't happening. So in that way, it's a good time to be anywhere, but at OSF, yeah. because I know that a lot of folks who have my background and my identifiers 
um, who've had to make a career in white American theater, who've had to really actually um, give up a lot of their identity or give up the fight to be able to be Mm -hmm. successful. And I feel pretty lucky that I'm at an organization with leaders where I don't have to do that right now. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, basically what you're talking about is also, you could say the same thing about journalism. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> you could say the same sure. thing about, and it's, I think in a lot, a lot of places are having these conversations and it's, it's really, mm-hmm. it's hot. It's, it's sad that it's taken so long and I, there's still so much more mm-hmm. work to do, but um, yeah, creating, I don't know, just like, ways so it isn't just privileged white people mm-hmm. um white men <laughs> who are you know able to do things like internships this is a, journalism like you know not everyone has those that ability or the networks that lead to that or um yeah and for me really uh, i'm an ambitious person <laughs> you know me from really? that, yeah. you, know, you know like <laughs> I, I don't want to understate my like ambitions <laughs> to get to a position like this yeah but very early i had to realize that this wasn't going to happen for me in the way that i was told it was it would happen for people right like mm-hmm. i've never actually had an entry-level artistic position at a theater because i couldn't afford to Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take yeah. any of those assistant directorships at mm-hmm. American Conservatory Theater at Berkeley because they didn't pay mm-hmm. enough. And right. the idea was that I was going to be working full time and I'm an immigrant with no so you know right. financial safety mm-hmm. net. So not right. only do I have to pay rent, I have to have health insurance. There were parts in my life where I had to send money back home. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. And so I, it became pretty clear to me that my career had to be built in this weird parallel space where mm-hmm. I was doing artistic work at smaller to medium-sized companies where mm-hmm. money wasn't really, that my money wasn't coming from there. And then I had mm-hmm. to have administrative work, which in my mm-hmm. case ended up being marketing and communications, which is how mm-hmm. I ended up at KQED at a much right. higher level mm-hmm. uh, work. And it was interesting that finally this past, like the year that I got this job, and mm-hmm. Nataki also has gone through a very similar process career-wise. So she mm-hmm. really could look at my resume and go, that mm-hmm. makes sense. That right. that experience and this experience put together makes yeah. an associate artistic director. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it took, you know, 15, 16 years of doing two jobs, like really three full-time jobs, which nobody should have to do for success. Like that's just like not okay. Right. And yeah. I sometimes, I mean, I publicly all the time say, I didn't get here because I'm the best. I got here mm-hmm. because like I refused to quit. There were many people who were coming up with me in the theater world yeah. in the Bay Area yeah. who I think are better directors than me, possibly yeah, are better yeah. leaders than me that quit, right. you know, because it's just not, mm-hmm. uh, the system is not set up for us to succeed. And I don't want others coming after me to have to do what, like, I'd like to think that if I can leave this industry better for yeah. up and coming immigrant artists than what I received, that would be success, you know? That's amazing. Yeah, that's But we aren't done because I have like at least one more question to ask. Oh. You. But this is Nona. This is my baby Nona. Nona, can you say hi to everyone? Oh my god! Can you say hi? This is my. She's favorite playing with Grandma thing. and Grandpa downstairs. My <laughs> favorite thing is right now because of the pandemic moment. I'm getting to meet everyone's children, yeah. and I think it's a nightmare for the parents because you mm-hmm. actually have to pay attention to your baby and work. But for us on the receiving end, this is the best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just so you well, know. Well, I, yeah, I'm actually leaning into it. Yeah. Okay, why don't you go see grandma? You want to say bye-bye? Yeah, can you say bye-bye? Okay, yeah. well, you can say bye-bye, but I'm not going to bye-bye. The answer is, you're not the boss of me, exactly. mother. Oh, there. Oh, she wants to take a bath. Too bad. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. actually have just, like, I just have given up. I'm just like, yeah, here's my baby. As she, I was actually doing like a Facebook Live that wasn't supposed to involve the baby for work the other day. You, I just acknowledged that no one's going to show up on this show, mm -hmm. and she just started screaming, and I, oh, wow. I was like, oh no. So that's oh, what I mean. Like that's like a nightmare for you more than me, right? Like if your yeah. baby is crying in the room while you're working, <laughs> that's harder for you. Actually. It is, but you know, like I think I'm lucky because she's so young that. Mm -hmm. Like you can control. I feel like it's a gift too. I'm just like, I love my baby. I get to see her every single day. <laughs> I mean, it's actually, it's so funny. I'm hoping this pandemic moment again is so terrible for my specific industry, right? Like the whole industry is shut down, and we have, I don't know, mm -hmm. three times the unemployment rate than any other oh, industry God. in entertainment yeah. because, like, literally, theater is based on people gathering in large right. numbers in spaces. That's <laughs> it's our just business. A super event. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Um, but the one silver lining, I think, is there was no space made in our industry for mothers, especially mm. new mothers, like nursing, et cetera. And there oh, was yeah. like such tiny steps being made towards uh -huh. that. And it was uh -huh. always so weird to me because, again, like if a mother has to pump in during a rehearsal break, yeah. that's hard for them. It oh, God, literally yeah. has no impact on my process. <laughs> right, but, you yeah. know, like union breaks for theater is 10 minutes. Oh, God. That's not enough time. No, you know? And we were just starting that conversation on like, how do you expand some of the breaks and the right. breath in the processes, which costs money, sure. But yeah. also we can't afford to lose all of these amazing female artists right. for 10 years. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that actually then doesn't help us. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's the, the thing. It's like, um, yeah, there's so many reasons that people get that people quit. Like you were talking about before, you know, it's like it these these cool creative jobs are hard, and you know they're harder and harder and harder for different people yeah. depending yeah. on your circumstances. And yeah. there's so many reasons to quit. And uh, yeah, I mean, and I have to say, like OS before I got here, yeah. OSF has been sort of a leader in all of these conversations. Not perfect, mm -hmm. who is, but Nobody, really yeah. um, it's been quite centered in okay. the ways in which the system is thought about. But the thing with a repertory where, for those mm -hmm. of you who might not know, like repertory means mm -hmm. like all the shows are happening at the same time. At our peak time, which would have been like yeah. summer, you have yeah. you know 10 to 11 shows happening in three theaters, which means twice a day, the full set and the full thing is changing. Like it is an army of people. That's amazing. I mean, no, it's like, so impressive. Like, yeah. it, you know, so, and when you have a timeline like that or a work pressure like that, it yeah. is hard to make space yeah. or need right. whatever those like accessibility totally. for yeah. mothers, for oh, yeah. people who need sleep. I mean, like actual humans who have bodies. Um, <laughs> And that is the our and, robot actors are doing great. But exactly, the rest of us are you know? like a little tired. Oh no, it's like yeah. white knuckling your way through the season is was the way OSF worked. Mm -hmm. And again, such amazing work has happened under those conditions. Yeah, but let's see if we can do better. You know, right? I think maybe the pandemic is like 
there's so many horrible things about everything that's going on right now, but there is something about like completely changing the way you think about everything. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we can rethink it all. Maybe we tear down all these systems and just like build better ones. I mean, the thing that's interesting though, is on the flip side, you know, OSF people, I always say this, like nobody beats an OSF person when it comes to an emergency, right? Really? Our whole system was built on emergency response. And before I got here again, you know, we got the fires early, right, in Southern Oregon. So, Mm -hmm. um, and because of the topography of Ashland and the valley we're in, like, any smoke that goes around, we get it. You know, even if we don't have the fire, we get the smoke. So, um, in a way, like, that response and the sort of very heartful human response to taking care of things and other people is built Mm -hmm. into the culture of the organization which was like in full display in terms of the OSF response to the, the fires that just happened in September, because I can't take any credit in the sense that as a leadership team, we were like trying to call people, track people down to make sure everyone is safe and alive, to be honest. And by the time I raised my head, there was a donation center set up by people who are on staff and also who people who were laid off. They just made it happen. And all we had to do was to support it. And that wow. like, I've never seen that anywhere else. Amazing. I can't say, you know, as we're talking about culture change and all that yeah. stuff, there is also so much of the artistic theatrical culture, specifically at OSF, that will not change because yeah. it is literally the best of humanity. And as That's we're awesome. like going through this week where the worst of humanity is so <laughs> foregrounded <laughs> that like um, I, I like have to think back on those moments of what yeah people are capable of when Mm -hmm. something real like a fire burning through whole towns in your region happens and people are homeless and we can house people, we can take care of the donations, we can fundraise. I mean, the amount of fundraising that's happened both on behalf of OSF in terms of our gala, where we share the proceeds with organizations in the front lines doing fire relief work, but like People who are out of work fundraising for people who've lost their homes. like Amazing. That's crazy. I mean, it's so good. Sorry, I'm trying to stop saying that's crazy. One thing that I say all the time, I'm trying to stop saying yeah, it. Exactly. Um, I mean, it is, it, it's too bad really that it cool. feels crazy because I think yeah. it is actually how we're wired as people. And in a yeah. way, like it's been beaten out of our systems by capitalism and white supremacy. I think you're 100% right. You know what I mean? And actually, it's like we can remember that, Mm -hmm. and this is journalism in your field. It's nonprofit work in my field. Um, It's, you know, we're here to be of service. I tell stories because I like to be in service of people. I think stories are one of the biggest ways you can, uplift people and change narrative and make change. That's why I work as hard as I do in the theater. But like we forget it becomes right. about the bottom line so quickly. And it's yeah. nice to be working at a place where that service is centered. And it yeah. feels very much like that's why it feels like home so quickly for me, OSF is because that's been now looking back mid my driving factor throughout yeah. my professional career and now I'm finally at a place. Well, not KQED was very similar. I'm at a place. Right, but you weren't doing the thing. Exactly. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so I feel like my values are centered as well as my work. Like those two things don't have to be separated in some way. Right. Yeah. And you're right. That's part of capitalism is like tricking you into thinking that those are siloed mm-hmm. things and, you know, values are something that's cute, but 
work is well, it's just, I mean, even at OSF, I have to say, like, social, ju- we are by our mission a social justice mm-hmm. institution, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is in our mission and value mm-hmm. statement. Right. But even here, there are so many conversations I find myself taking part in where the art and social justice is separated. Like, we talk about yeah. it's like, how are we going to highlight social justice in this? I'm like, right. it's just not how, ev- right. I mean, Everything. Is. I'm a Middle Eastern queer man, immigrant <laughs> artist. Right? It's, um, like there is no separation. My existence mm-hmm. is social justice. Right. You know? So it's just it, by being here. Yeah. yeah. So it just feels like the more we can, as we said, like as these conversations are happening, if we can just separate, if we can keep ourselves from separating the work from the work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Easier actually. Yeah. I think so too. And it doesn't, it isn't, it isn't as much work when you think about that. It's all really combined and we should be interrogating everything we do Mm -hmm. to see if it is supporting white supremacy and oppression and, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and if it is, then there's, it's also like charity. Like, um, I sound a little bit like full of myself, but like, don't hire me because I fulfill a social justice quota. I'm a great right. director. <laughs> yeah. like, actually, we should right. be changing our organizations. And again, OSF in terms of the hiring mm-hmm. and supporting of artists of color mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Like leagues ahead of the right. rest of the industry. Right. You should be changing your systems because you know who the best, some of the best artists doing the best work are. If your mission is right. to make good art, you're not. You're gonna, missing them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Th- it's actually mm-hmm. about doing the best work for the most number right. of people. So it's right. not separate. It's not. It's not. It's not, not separate. At all. I mean, think about journalism. It's not separate at all. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Our our job is to, you know, report and like shed light on things that are happening in our communities. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that if you're not part of the community? I mean, mm-hmm. like you can't. It isn't charity to hire people <laughs> that, <laughs> that look like the people that you're covering. That is. Yeah that is the job you know although i do have to say like i don't want to um i do want to double down on something because and this is really i'm borrowing this from nataki garrett who's a brilliant brilliant woman Uh, (laughs) i'm not just saying that to suck up to my boss i swear um is um it's not accidental (laughs) that Mm -hmm. folks were not in the room both people being served and people making the work it is mm-hmm. purposefully excluded, right? right. And we have mm-hmm. to be able to make our peace with that and address it if we're going to mm-hmm. fix things. I mean, right. the fix is really simple now because so many right. people have the education experience, lived experience to be able to jump into these positions and not just succeed, like thrive, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not even that hard to find mm-hmm. people in that way. In in the artistic world, I will say, you know, there are other yeah. fields. No, same. I even think on the everywhere. Creative side, you know, there are different things you have to take into account in terms of career mm-hmm. development and stuff. But we weren't in the room because we were disinvited from the room. Right. <laughs> you know? I feel like yeah, you're actually what you're talking about. The reason I laughed, like, oh, you're you mean you're talking about the whole problem with America? Like, yes, it was purposeful, and yes, we have to address that before mm-hmm. we can actually have any change or growth. I mean, the the fact that the United States is a country based in racism and white supremacy and oppression is not an accident. That's no, how it was built. Literally built. <laughs> so you know? if we don't if we don't 
take responsibility and acknowledge it. And I would say do something about it. But anyway, I, I'm, that's not that's not really political. That's just like, I think a fact yeah. that the United States is built on racism. I'm a lot of opinion. That's my thing is like, it's, uh, <laughs> I do think it's, it's so funny you said that because I think we all feel it, especially if mm -hmm. you're in a public or um, a leadership kind of position where mm -hmm. it's easy for you to feel like speaking about equity or inclusion or anti-racism is somehow a political act. Right. It's but it's not, not. It's really at not. all. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and we have to normalize these conversations. Yeah. And the thing that I think the system functions on our fear of having the conversation, but also by slow, those of us who've been having the conversation mm -hmm. for a long time, and I'm not even just talking about myself, I'm standing on the shoulders of many folks who've been having this conversation for right. decades, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you slow me down so that mm -hmm. I bring the slowest person in the group with mm -hmm. me, right? Yeah. Actually, I think it's about having the conversation and just doing it and people mm -hmm. need to educate themselves and come along. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? There comes a certain right. point where, you know, we want to bring everyone together. And yes, mm -hmm. it would, wouldn't it be great if we all agreed? <laughs> right. But that's actually yet another way we stop progress. Right. right. And maybe like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. You're more than welcome to come. Here are some articles. You should like Google anti-racism <laughs> right. and read some things. Right. And then if you actually then once you are able to engage with the action of anti-racism, then we can talk. Right. <laughs> you know? And I think that there's this problem too, even being like, oh, maybe I shouldn't talk about it is like, because some people take it personally and that's, that's not what it's about. You know, like mm -hmm. saying that the United States is built on racism is not saying that every American person is bad, you know, <laughs> saying that all of us and all white people benefit from systems of oppression and white supremacy doesn't mean that you know i think we're all mm -hmm. bad people it's just like that's it that's the fact <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's not like, like you know like it, acknowledging your own privilege inside of a system does not make it so that you didn't work hard or you were you did not not have like you it's possible that you you're a white woman Exactly. Which is a complicated identity in this current <laughs> moment, right? So we can acknowledge the ways in which one part of your identity mm -hmm. has suffered for a long time and another part of your identity has actually put you ahead. And right. how does, I'm interested right. in those complicated conversations. Same for right. me, you know, I'm a very much a white passing cis mm -hmm. man and mm -hmm. I've had the privilege of having great high level education. Mm -hmm. um, and that means that, you know, I get to be, I was invited into all sorts of rooms that like, to be right. honest, my brother would not have been. Right. Just lock of the genetic yeah. draw. <laughs> right. Yeah. So in that way, yeah. like I can say that and I can acknowledge right. that privilege. And I can also in the same sentence, acknowledge the other ways in which I've been othered and disinvited and had to mm -hmm. fight the fight. And those right. two things, as long as we're able to leave space for the full complex humanity of people inside of our systems, we can have all sorts of conversations. Right. I mean, and maybe this is what comes back to telling stories, you know, like yeah. telling stories is what we can do. It's like the only thing to do about this. It's like the more stories we can tell, the more different kinds of stories, personal stories, real stories, the more people will 
I don't know. I think I do think there's this power in storytelling oh that it creates our culture. That and so we can create our culture through mm-hmm. the stories we tell. And it, it would be so amazing in a way if mm-hmm. stories. My biggest push these days is mm-hmm. that I want to give an opportunity for people who have been disinvited from the room to tell their mm-hmm. stories, which is a huge part of journalism, huge part of right. theater specifically, because it's a communal art form. If you think about it, you're in yeah. the room with the person. Yeah. Amazing. The being telling, which is a great opportunity for change, but what would happen if their stories weren't always in response to the status quo, if they weren't right. always being forced to in their minds, speak to a whole room full of older, rich white people where mm-hmm. the first thing they have to do is to prove that they're human. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just like right. them. That, that makes what so if much they sense. could actually just tell their stories and we mm-hmm. trained our audiences or readers or viewers to mm-hmm. make that jump into seeing yourself in someone else's completely different story, which right. by the way, women, people of color. <laughs> is the whole thing <laughs> that we've been that doing. Literally, we've been trained. Like that's our lives. Right, right? yeah. And so how do we share that wealth? Because again, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really curious about what kind of stories get told and how impactful mm-hmm. those stories can be if we can let the storytellers just tell it and yeah. not have to change and shift and translate and thank for being allowed to be in the room. Right, yeah. No, we could just true. remove all that garbage. Mm-hmm. What would happen? Oh, man, you know? yeah. This is really great. Everyone, I could literally talk to you for 10 more days. I'm actually thinking like, okay, how do I get to Ashland? As soon as this is over, we're coming to Ashland. I love Ashland. Everyone, come to Ashland. It's a great place. You want to be I'm going to make a horrible admission. I've never been to Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I've lived in Oregon the majority of my life. My parents, my family went when I was like an exchange student one year. So I kind of blame them. Unless as a student, you were like came here as a student, you mm. weren't particularly invited again. Like, you know what I mean? So it right, yeah. you haven't been. I mean, it's the yeah. same. I lived in the Bay Area for 15 years, which, you know, yeah. most of our audience comes from Bay Area and Portland. Yeah, it's actually, yeah. Um, and I came once and it was because mm. I was invited to a conference and I'm right. a theater person and like, yeah. I love theater. So yeah. it's, you know, Come and bring people that are like you. I will. I will. <laughs> you know, because um, we, we will have a great time. I mean, I can't yeah. actually say that is the space once you get here, and especially mm-hmm. as we continue to work the way we've been working, I think it will actually be the kind of space where you and I and those mm-hmm. who are younger and cooler than us, as okay. previously as stated. As if that's possible. I know, right? um, We're so young not and cool. we feel good, like, welcome but i think they will feel centered right like they're i think that's what's surprising to people is they hear oregon shakespeare festival and there's like balloon pants renaissance fair is what sort of the image that comes Uh in your mind and Uh it's not we've been doing new plays and the diversity work that's been happening is very Mm -hmm. much reflected on our stages so it's here we just by doing conversations like this we just need to speak the gospel to more folks so they come And once the pandemic's over, <laughs> we can come. Okay, uh oh, my baby's screaming. But I had, my my editor had this question. Yeah. Uh, when you talk to OSF today, ask if they're working on what they're working on for virtual online theater. Are they going to try audio drama? 
<laughs> she really wants an odd a podcast, oh. a drunk a podcast. That's so what she wants. You have a couple of podcasts in the works. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. mostly uh, I think one of the things we have an amazing commissioning program called American Revolutions that's been happening for a long time, about 10 years. Oh, uh, that is about new plays that um, focus on important moments of revolutionary change. Hi, buddy. <laughs> uh, revolutionary change in American history in the 20th century. And uh, Alison Carey, who's an amazing, amazing woman who's been running that program, will be having conversations with the playwrights that have taken part in that. And that's like Lynn Nottage, Paula Vogel, like the people are pretty amazing. Cool. Um, in terms of our digital work, um, no, uh, we have a digital platform mm -hmm. called oh, yeah, yeah. O, exclamation, mm -hmm. o, exclamation point. Oh. And yeah, exactly. Uh, that's a great idea. I should say the name <laughs> like that forever. And, more. Um, and what's so interesting for us is that this was part of Nataki's vision way before the pandemic. And of course, it got sped up and became quite central in this moment. So we have, it's osfashland.org slash digital. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, and that link will take you to the current content that's there, which is conversations, amazing artwork. We do a lot of um, sort of community takeovers. We had an amazing Pride event. We had incredible oh, cool. Latin uh, Heritage Month takeover and National Disability Employment Awareness Month takeover. So all of that mm -hmm. content is there. And the mm -hmm. other joyful thing, which will happen shortly because the, our mm -hmm. union partners have allowed it, is we'll be able to get access to our incredible archival footage of older plays and be able to release those in the next season. So oh, cool. along with what I hope will be a live season eventually, we'll yeah. have a very full sort of almost all-stars digital season. Wow, that's cool. And we just were able to, we're sort of in the planning stages of that and, you know, you're a press person. You will know the moment. Okay, good. Yeah, you know my email address. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that has been in the works. And I think the thing that I love, again, silver linings, I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. This digital moment, like the O has been seen in so many countries. So cool. All over the yeah. world. Like right. the this new digital play I'm doing, This Is Who I Am, where mm -hmm. OSF is a co-producer by Amir Nizar Zawabi, who's a Palestinian writer. And our yeah. rehearsals are have people from Stockholm and Virginia and New York and Oregon and DC and London. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, this is going to be the first play that my family in Turkey will have seen of my work in 20 years. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. And yes, cool. I miss the in-person. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm... I cannot find the words to explain to you how much I miss being in a dark room with people and experiencing this story. Yeah. But on the flip side, this is a moment where our horizon can be larger, you know, like mm -hmm. it can be wider. Right. And we can really start having these international, global conversations with our work that we weren't able to before. So I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. Well, like I said, I could literally talk to you forever I and I probably will now. <laughs> Like, I haven't talked to you it's in like six wind years. Ever, it's like wind Everett up and then he'll talk. Yeah, no, no. Like, I was I, like, yeah, this is the longest one I've ever done, but I don't care. Like, can, can we keep talking? But I should probably go because I have other work to do. And right. you probably do too. And my baby is doing this, which means one thing. Ah, that, 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 is related, <laughs> that has to come out of your body, yes. Yes, I'm very integral to that process. Yeah. Um, so, Everin, where can people find your work? So in terms of OSF, it's osfashland.org. 
um, there you will find all of our digital content as well as you know um, you'll be able to find ways to support the Southern Oregon fire relief effort, which is a huge part of our you know service mission right now, of course. Um, and then we have so many actually upcoming live projects by the end of the year. We have a Broadway, a Women of Broadway series that's ongoing, which is a again national collaboration. And then this is Who I Am, which is a collaboration with four other theaters in the country that I'm directing. So I hope people will check that out. And then you know, um, I think the other work that I would love to highlight is that I'm on the steering committee of uh, MENA, Middle Eastern North African Theater Makers Alliance. Mm-hmm. That's minatheater.org. And we're part of, you know, many, many organizations that are pushing for the sort of widening of what counts as an American story. Uh, So I would love people to check out minatheater.org just to find out that national work that's happening and, you know, help us center Middle Eastern North African stories, y'all. Do it. Yeah, sounds great. Oh, come here. Yes, you got a fanny pack on. The baby's got a fanny pack on now. I love the fact that she's she, right? Yeah. Yeah. She she's had like three costume changes in this. Yeah, well, she took a bath in the middle oh, wow. there at some point with her grandma. Um I love it. Yeah, she's pretty great. Someday you'll get to meet her in real life. Hopefully before she's like a teenager. Exactly, right? At this point. I, I do hope I will be back in Portland way before then. Okay, good. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. You will. Um, our show is streamed when we feel like it on Facebook and on YouTube. You can follow the Oregonian there. Come here, buddy. You can follow The Oregonian there um, to make sure you see every episode. It's available, also available as a podcast. So you can find that at OregonLive.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And <laughs> wash your hands and wear a mask. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, you can help spread the word by telling a friend or by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.